Well, I'm delighted to welcome Didi Opernoff, who is our guest this evening, and she's going to come and join me at the front. And uh, while she comes up and clambers up to that seat, I'm going to move a, a laptop around to my knee on this seat. She's going to conclude our talk, but they gave me a copy of an amazing book called Can God Be Trusted, That's which right. I read yesterday. And you read it? Yeah. Well done. <laughs> it was uh, so Maybe helpful and appropriate to, uh, to us, where we're at as a church, and uh, there are copies available at the back, well, I think you can get them for 10 points. Yes. Uh, it is just a wonderful picture and uh, Teddy and Didi gave it to me and said this isn't about us, it's about what God has done and if you, if you want to take a copy, please do. We'll only touch on a, a few bits of her story. If you want the full version or at least uh, the bit that I enjoy, please do grab a copy of that book. It'll be so instructive I think. But uh, Didi, coming back to uh, you and Bulgaria. Bulgaria is obviously a country with a very small 2% or less evangelical Christians. So tell us how you came to hear about Jesus and become a follower of his. First of all, good evening, everyone. It's a real joy and a pleasure to be here, a real privilege to be invited. Thank you for hospitality. Uh, and um, we were specially treated at Gordon's house, actually, my favorite thing, cream tea or whatever you call it in Ireland. I'm sorry if I said it, said it wrong, <laughs> but uh, it's really fantastic to be here and, and thank you. Um, can I show some pictures first and then I'll answer your question? Um, just a little bit about, um, oh dear, yes, um, this is my family. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much excited about this because this is very recent, it just happened. I became a mother-in-law, <laughs> so uh, my daughter, the other one, is in the middle, and her husband now, and my younger daughter is to the right, and uh, the next picture maybe, and this is, uh, this is inside the church, and they decided to have this beautiful thing where the parents on both sides prayed for them together with the ministers, and the next one, um, yeah, just, just very briefly, and then I'll, I'll answer um, Gordon's question. Thank you very much. Bulgaria, it is a, it, 
it is a place of challenge. It is a, it is a really place of challenges and uh, people think, well, now communism is gone, it must be wonderful and fantastic, but it actually is still very difficult in many respects and I'll share a little bit more about that later. Uh, it's the the um, evangelical Christians in the country are less than 0.0%, so even less than what um, the official statistics, I suppose, have said. Um, just very briefly, this is where Bulgaria is, uh, right on the, in, the, in the heart of the Balkan Peninsula. I met a neighbor here, someone from Romania, which is uh, on the north of Bulgaria, uh, Black Sea, and then actually we're the last Christian country for the Muslim world starts. So in the south of us is Greece and Turkey, and to the west it's um, 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 Macedonia, somebody from Macedonia. Hello, neighbor. <laughs> I'm actually also Macedonian, so we'll call you North Macedonia. <laughs> and also, <laughs> love to see you later. And also Serbia. Uh, beautiful country, beautiful country, but unfortunately with sad, hist uh, sorry, with sad history. And um, Balkans, oh, you can't really see very much there. Harsh winters. Uh, yeah, I like to walk the mountains. Um, and beautiful rock formations. Uh, this is, I've put this picture here because the majority of people in Bulgaria are actually Orthodox Christians. The 70% and more claim to be Orthodox Christians in the country of Bulgaria. Uh, so just briefly, how did, I, um, how did I become a Christian? I was very blessed and very privileged because both my great-grandparents, uh, even on one side, great-grandparents and parents, uh, were evangelical Christians. So I was born in a Christian home and during the communist time, I knew what it was like to live in a, in a Christian home and actually be persecuted, which was um, oftentimes, um, I didn't know if my dad was going to come home because uh, he was called by the secret services for questioning, or my brother and I were home and then um, they came to search the house and um, were looking after literature and we had to, find, to, to hide a box. So my first experience before I even committed my life to Jesus was hiding this box in the basement full of Bibles together with my brother because somebody called us and warned us that there will be search in the houses and then uh, the, they came they didn't care that it was just children there and the parents were not at home and they looked around the house and they stepped on that box so many times and did not see it was Bibles so this was a big thing for me as only as a child still as a child to see God's grace provision and mercy uh, then in eight, 19, well, what the communists tried to do first is in the very beginning of the regime, they put all the pastors in prisons and concentration camps. This was not just the, the evangelical Christians. This was the Orthodox. This was the minority of Catholics, everyone. The second thing they did was they tried to um, turn the, the buildings that we had, take over the buildings and turn them into puppet theaters or communist houses and all that. So this happened to some of our churches. And the last thing they tried to do, which I remember very very well was to um, bring, now let me just illustrate it, imagine as we are gathered here now for a service, you have somebody just come in through the door and they come to the front and they show you a piece of paper and they say this is a paper from the government and I am the new pastor of this church. So from now on whatever happens you have to report to me. Well. Um, this is what happened to us. This is what happened to the church. It was in, yes, 1984. Uh, and um, during that time, the people just left the building. So the church left the church building. And we left the men preaching to 
a few people. And uh, because we had good neighbors um, in a larger apartment than other people, um, we invited the, the church to meet in our home. So we actually met in our home. And I hated this time. I was not a Christian yet. I hadn't given my life to Jesus yet. And I couldn't understand why everybody, 70 people, cramped in a small apartment, the preacher standing in the corridor trying to preach. And, and everyone is there and they still have joy and they still have trust in God and they still carry on. And for me, this was, I wanted to have that. I loved the church, I loved the place where we were meeting, but um, I just wanted to have what they had. And this was the time when I re was rethinking my whole life, praying to Jesus and asking him to come to my life as well. And I've never been sorry since because uh, I realized why they continued to have hope because they had the Holy Spirit in them, which was giving them strength and was their rock in difficult times. Uh, and salvation and deliverance. So this is how I became a Christian, <laughs> uh, still during the communist time. Well, uh, tell us, in that context, obviously there's not the same resources, encouragement, mm. ministries maybe. How, what were the influences that caused you to grow mm. and mature? Maybe sense God's call on your life. It's a very good question, Gordon, when, when you told me you might ask that question. Um, it's been my church it is a good church. It's a wonderful church. It's been through a lot, but it's given a lot as well. It was my parents. It was um, my grandparents as well. It was um, all the men and women in the church, grandparents. You're very important <laughs> in children's lives. Um, I will never forget one thing. I was, when this thing was happening with the, with the meetings, with the secret meetings in the homes, with the services in the homes, um, I felt that like I was still a teenager and I felt like God was calling me to um, work with the children to actually start a Sunday school. Now, wonderful, but this was a forbidden thing to do. <laughs> so if the secret police came, they would actually arrest me for doing that, no matter my age. And I decided I'll talk to my dad about this. No, he was the important one. So uh, I can't remember why we were in the car together with him. And I decided to ask him this. And I said, Dad, I feel that God is calling me to um, do that. Uh, what do you think? I'm afraid because I think that if something happens, I'll be in danger. And my father was, um, had a very interesting answer. He said to me, don't be afraid of what people will do. Be afraid of what, uh, if you don't follow what God is calling you to do. Uh, so that was, and I thought initially, doesn't he, he not care about me? <laughs> but apparently he cared about me because he had given me in God's hands and, and he encouraged me in a dangerous situation to follow my calling and to do what. And, I, and this was, has been my life. I, from that time, I had big confidence in, in God's calling in my life. So, um, yeah, that's, this has been great influences. Yeah. Uh, well... You've already talked about some of the obstacles in terms of mm. government attitudes and other difficulties. What would you say are some of the other obstacles in Bulgaria in terms of the extension of the kingdom of God as you look back in recent years? Maybe? Yeah, um, several things actually. Um, one of the things has been, yes, persecution. Yes, it's, 
is difficult. Yes, people are afraid. Even when you witness to people, you need to, um, you need to establish a good relationship with them so they can trust you. Uh, and you, you witness, but then people are afraid. They say, oh, wonderful, have that faith, but this is for you. So fear was the big thing that we had to, um, we had to struggle with. Well, communism is long gone, 30 years ago. I never want this to come back. I, I really pray that God will never allow such a system to come back. Um, but challenges don't stop. We think one thing has gone, and then, and then something else comes. Uh, when communism collapsed, then huge economic crisis came. And um, I would actually to ask you to maybe, if you press 17, um, just to show you some pictures of the reality that we we face. Because Bulgaria, although it's part of the European Union, is actually the poorest member state of the European Union. Uh, one of eight Bulgarians lived before the poverty line. And three out of ten Bulgarians cannot afford medical care. And you still see these scenes on the streets and, and where I live on the other side from my kitchen, I can see the rubbish bin outside. So many people a day just go through that rubbish bin, uh, still there trying to recycle, get a little bit of what is in there to help themselves to survive and, and buy the daily bread. Uh, elderly people still struggle, no dignity in their, in their, um, in their life. So that's, that's been a big challenge. At the same time, saying that, giving food parcels at the end of communism when things were really difficult uh, has actually brought a huge amount of elderly people to come to know Jesus, uh, to come to know God. And, and I'm sure they are now uh, with the Lord, those of you who have, who have gone to be with the Lord. It's just sad that we have not been able to use more of their lives. So this is so, it's so wonderful when uh, young people come to know Jesus because uh, there's so much time in their life that they can use for God. Another thing that we face is the big mi mi minority, the very large minority of Roma people uh, in the country. Uh, and this, the, the ghettos, the many ghettos around, uh, I will not go into all the details because Roma people are not one homogeneous group. They don't speak one language. They speak different dialects. Uh, they have most probably come uh, from India. They follow the caste system. So um, in order to keep their identity because they do not remember a motherland or and you know that identity is actually your history plus the memory of it. And this is why they lack identity and so amazing that the only thing that actually gives them identity is their faith in Jesus. So uh, the very first Roma church, um, was a Baptist church, was actually found in Bulgaria, in the northwest of Bulgaria. And it's an amazing story of how it all happened. But we still have one third of our Baptist Union, Roma churches. And this is a baptismal service at the river of Danube. So despite the economic crisis, despite the difficulties, God is using that to actually grow his kingdom. And people come to know him in, in their time of crisis. This is one of the Roma pastors who's learned several dialects uh, because he's broadcasting sermons which go all across Europe and he's able to serve. Um, this is a girl that was sponsored, she grew up in an orphanage by the church to do biology lessons and she was able to uh, finish her education and is now working as a nurse. This is literacy classes that we do because the biggest problem is lack of education with the, with the Roma community. Well, an, another issue we are facing now is materialism. People are no longer interested. Uh, some people have very high salaries. Not everybody. The difference is very big between the very poor and the very rich in Bulgaria. Very little in between. The, the, the rich are very few. Uh, but they're not interested. 
So uh, we, we do treasure the people that we have in church with, who are able to support because in everything that we do, whether it's financial support, whether it's giving our time, it's so glorifying God and it's so important. Um, I would like to mention another issue here, if I, if I may, and this is something, if you can press 60, this is something that we uh, just recently happened and I'm so grateful to um, our brothers and sisters all over the world. I have the privilege of serving in the Baptist World Alliance as one of the vice presidents for Europe and um, we wrote and asked for help and including Irish Baptist Network and Christine is here and uh, Steve as well um, helped in an amazing way. These are demonstrations of the Evangelical Alliance in Bulgaria, including the Baptist churches, uh, which took place for more than 11 weeks last year because the Bulgarian government was trying to pass a religious legislation would have been, which would have been worse than the one we had during the communist time. Uh, part of it was that, this is by the way my husband, part of it was that they would we could not bring children unless the written permission of parents. People who are educated outside of the country could not uh, minister. This immediately included my husband and I because we have graduated from Spurgeon's College in London. This is where we studied. We don't have Bulgarian theological education. And you cannot get one because we're not allowed to have it. How do you have one and continue to be minister? Uh, you, any contacts with other churches outside? And so many other things. Uh, I will not go into detail of all of them. Um, so there were many letters written to the government. And the surprising thing was that on first reading in Parliament, the legislation was passed. So uh, there was only, we didn't know how, several weeks until second reading, and then it's, it's law. Uh, and we prayed and we thought about it. It brought in a lot of unity amongst the evangelical Christians as well. But I never believed that after we are still living, um, we, we know communism, we know how horrible it was. How can government think that they can pass another law again, even worse than the one? that we had during communist time, with all the worst restrictions, we just couldn't believe that this was happening. And we were prepared to, to do whatever it takes. We had nothing to lose. Uh, and we knew what it could be. And um, I'm so grateful to God because the second reading, uh, a lot of the texts were dropped. Very little was passed. We still have some re uh, restrictions. But um, it was nothing like what it was going to be. And thanks to the prayers and the support of people all over the world. Um, so this was a big, big victory for the kingdom. Because Paul says, pray that you have freedom for the gospel. Pray that you can preach the gospel. And that you have people, um, governments that allow you to do that. Yeah, so. <laughs> Didi, we can take half an hour on each one of these areas. And I'm sorry that I'm going to push you on, but... You did say you'll say what you want to say. That, that's the important thing. I think uh, <laughs> in a very nice way. <laughs> but you and your husband have been involved in seeing God raise up uh, a, a church ministry on the basis of a, a historic church, but something quite remarkable in the last 20 years. That's a, a story I'd love to go into in lots of detail. But can you give us just some of the headlines as to what are the reasons in that context of communism, control, materialism, mm. uh, disparity, poverty, uh, and, and now discrimination? What are the reasons for this church? That's a very good question, Gordon. It's not us. It's just um, 
so many times. We know it's, can you press 34? It's been, it's been God, it is God, it has been God. Um, this is actually our, the three church buildings that our church has been meeting in, and the last one is the one that uh, we're meeting in now. Uh, I was in the second one, my husband and I were married, <laughs> but really it has been looking up to God to provide. Uh, it has been uh, looking up to Him because at the end of the day it is His kingdom, it's not us. Uh, and so many times, story after story, and if you decide to get the book and read through it, you'll see story after story. You, we look at each other and we look at the church people and, and we say, thank God, <laughs> this time again, it wasn't me. <laughs> God provided again, and another crisis come. And you just pray and you think, and, and then again, <laughs> you say, thank you, God, you provided again. Uh, one thing I'll never forget, very briefly, I promise, uh, it was in the middle of the project, this very big building project which went on for 13 years. And I call this the waiting room of God. You look back and there's so much done and you look forward and there's so much to be done. And you think, oh, what did I get into? And you don't know where the end is going to be. And then exactly at one of these moments, um, as we were in the office trying to prepare for sermons and other things to do, um, the literacy class children that we help had heard that the project did not have enough finances at that time and that we were looking and we had stopped building because of that. And there was a knock on the door in the office and we opened it. It was the whole literacy class group, all the children, with a bag full of coins. They had gone out to the rubbish bin. They had collected paper and glass and bottles and um, plastic, and they have recycled that, and they brought all the money, which amounted up to 10 levs, it's about less than five pounds, and brought that because they wanted to give to the project. Now, I still have tears in my eyes when I remember that, because God provided encouragement for us where we least expected it, and he showed us that he can do everything, and we just have to trust him. I'm sure there's so many things you've learned about uh, how God works using the little children and their pennies. And uh, we're, we're, we've been on a, a journey for the last 20 years with lots of frustrations, and we've told that story a few times here, but uh, <laughs> uh, different contexts, different challenges perhaps. But as you think about coming here to Northern Ireland, and uh, you've been to three or four churches on this visit, uh, Teddy has been once before. What do you see that encourages you and what do you th see that maybe concerns you? Wow. <laughs> um, I've been so blessed to be here. I'm very honest saying that. And um, what I've experienced has been huge hospitality uh, by everyone. And in all the churches, deep spirituality and um, you really have a lot to give and it's been amazing to worship with you it's been amazing to experience the the blessing that you've been to us um, yeah it's been it's a difficult period again with new challenges and um, so you have blessed us in a huge way and uh, I think that you have everything that you need and even more because we have a lot to learn from you. You have amazing history, 
and um, many, many countries have lost their evening services and you're so many of you are here tonight. You're sacrificing your time to be here. You sacrificed a lot of finances to help countries and this goes a long way. And uh, I've seen this and even, and even more, and I really would like to say a word of encouragement. I've been very blessed, and I have a lot to take back and tell my church and, and our union in Bulgaria uh, about what the Irish Baptist uh, brothers and sisters are doing. So just keep on doing it, and may God bless you for that. Thank you. <laughs> You're waiting for the second part. <laughs> Oh, dear me, I think that's for you to figure out. <laughs> okay, okay, tell me, tell me something else then. Uh, just before, you, you're going to close with a brief reflection from Scripture, but how can we pray for you and Teddy as you think about your different roles? He's president of the uh, Baptist Union in Bulgaria, you in your uh, ministry in uh, Sofia. Well done. <laughs> I read the book about how to pronounce it. The other version is the girl's name, isn't that right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sophia uh, is the name of a person and Sophia is the name of the city. <laughs> well done. Okay, thanks. Uh, how can we pray for you in your various roles and responsibilities at this time? Oh, thank you. Um, pray for wisdom, first of all, because... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you think that you've been through something and then another thing comes, as I said earlier. So pray for wisdom. We need wisdom. Um, my husband has taken just uh, recently over the Baptist Union of Bulgaria and the Baptist Union is going through a difficult time. There's many people who've immigrated outside the country and uh, churches, because of this, have become smaller in a sense. Although we have not stopped growing, there are new people coming. We have new baptisms all the time. But because we have lost so many people to immigration, churches actually are lacking trained people for the ministry. So uh, do, do pray for us for wisdom and also for, for resources, to be able to find the resources because the Baptist Union is struggling at the moment and we do need, uh, we do need God's provision and, and help in that sense. Um, within the new building that we have... Um, we need wisdom as well because it was built in such a way that uh, it can su uh, sufficiently support itself. But unfortunately, the crisis has hit the whole of Europe, I think, and we lack tenants. If we have enough tenants, we can support ourselves. But at the moment, a big company that we had, they had to leave us because their building was empty. Uh, they couldn't find tenants for nine months and they had to leave us so that... Uh, um, they can go back to their building. It's a long story. I'm not going to go into it, but um, forgot to send the right people, the right resources in the right time and to give us wisdom to know what to do and how to do it so that the, his kingdom grows. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending time with us and uh, we will take that away and remember you and pray that yeah. God would give you wisdom and resources and yeah. the story of how he has already is, is amazing. Uh, Thank you. Just as we come to the end in, in 10 minutes, there's a table with those books. There's also uh, other uh, bits of artwork that Didi and Teddy have been involved in producing. They're artists and they use their practical skills in that area to raise support. So you might want to look at those too. Mm -hmm. But uh, Christine, I think, is going to come and read scripture and yes. then uh, I'll hand over to you again. Thank you.
Thank you. Just one more word, that all the proceeds from those sales go to uh, the work that Teddy and Didi are involved in. I'm going to read some verses from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. And then the last two verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Allow me to ask you a question first. Have you ever searched for things? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, um, I see quite a few ladies as well, and I'll confess where I search most, and it's in my handbag. And uh, I have a very clever husband, uh, and he has told me an idea which I still haven't put into practice, and it is actually to put a label and a string to everything that I have in my handbag, and to put the things inside and to leave the labels outside. And whenever I need something, I don't need to go back into the bag, I can just go through the labels and then pull whatever is in there and find it. 
<laughs> well, I haven't tried that yet, as I said, but searching, searching is something that is so much bother and so much effort for us oftentimes, isn't it? And uh, you can all probably remember places where, um, or things that you search. Sometimes I wish that I could, just like my phone, sometimes when you get out and you cannot find your phone, can you please ring my phone? And then you get it. I wish everything had a ring on it. <laughs> I'll be able to find it. Um, someone has said that searching implies a measure of ignorance, which is removed by observation. Interesting. So searching for us people is an effort, because we need to see in order to be able to find things. Uh, there was a lady in Bulgaria a long time ago, she lived in the Macedonian area, and uh, her name was Vanga, She's, she was a phenomena. She was uh, there during the, the communist time, and actually she was one of those fortune tellers. She said that when she was a young child, she was taken by a storm. She did not uh, say that she was not possessed. On the opposite, she said that she was possessed by evil, and this is how she was fortune telling. Communists could not explain her. They could not, uh, didn't know what phenomena this was. Even people from Russia, scientists from Russia came to investigate and examine her, but they were using her for the secret services. And I'll never forget one thing. Even he, she could not search and see everything. And um, we, I knew, we know that scripture warns us about that. But there was this one thing, because she was actually um, a classmate together with my husband's grandfather. They studied in the same class. So the secret police went to ask things for the church. And she said, well, I could not see anything. You have to leave these people alone. You have to be careful. Uh, we know that... Um, that by Christ's name, um, spirits fear. But my point is that even in these places, dark places, where God has warned us not to go, uh, it cannot be seen. Even evil that wants to harm us cannot see everything. Even that. And this for me is very deep because this psalm says that God is omniscient. God knows our actions, God knows our ways, God knows our words, God knows our things. It's amazing things said in this psalm, so deep and so vast about who God is and what he can do. His knowledge is so huge and so big. And the second part of the psalm says that God is omnipresent which means that he's absolutely everywhere. I cannot grasp this everywhere in my head. It means that he's in the heavens. It means that he's in the unseen world. It means that he's everywhere. It means that he even sees in the darkness. Who is God? Amazing. He's also omnipotent, mighty, able. Well, then another question comes to mind. If, he can see, if God can see everything, if God knows everything, if God has made everything, how come the psalmist says that he needs to search? Does God need to search in order to find something? I think that there's something very deep here that the psalmist wants to tell us. Does God need to search? And the word search is very interesting. The word search which has been used in my language, it says something else actually. It says God has tested me. God has digged deep 
is another word that has been used in the Old Testament for the same Hebrew word, digging deep, that's in Job 28, three means digging deep to find precious metals. And the word search in the beginning of the psalm means find out, search out, seek out, try, test. So does God need to search in order to find something? Does God need to search? He's the maker, he's your creator and my creator. He knows everything. Why does God need to search? He knows our nature, he knows our human minds, he knows the secrets. <laughs> he knows deep down in our souls. He knows how we're made. He knows even before we knew ourselves. He knows. He was there when we were formed. He was there before we were aware of ourselves. God Jehovah, that almighty, wonderful God, that God who loves us and knows us so well. He is searching. Why is he searching? Does he need to find us? He knows us. He's searching because you and I need to be found. You and I need to know that we're searched by this mighty God, that he has a personal interest in you and in me. He's searching because he's searching a friendship. He's searching to show his love for you and me. He's searching so that you and I can be found and say, God, I'm here. He's searching for a purpose. And that's amazing because he wants to forgive to find me, to find you, so that he can save and protect us, so that we can feel found, we can understand that we are found. And it's amazing that this judge becomes my savior and my deliverer, the one who knows, the one who is holy and able. When he finds me with all my faults, he finds me not to judge me, but to bring me close to himself and to forgive me and to put me in his hand. And this is the time when I actually realized that this is why he's searching. And I find the, the end of that psalm amazing because we are totally transparent before God. And if we jump to the end, the response of the psalmist is amazing. We would, ask, we would think that if, if God knows everything and when he finds me, maybe I would be careful. Maybe, I would, maybe the psalmist would be careful of what God is finding there. But instead, the, the, the answer the psalmist says is totally surprising. And he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any." Heartful way in me, hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. God is searching. Do we allow to be ourselves to be found? Do we allow ourselves to be found by the God who is searching? And do we allow ourselves to be encouraged, loved? and also used for his kingdom and for his glory because he has plans, he has intentions for us. 
And we're all being brought here, and we're all being created by him for a purpose. What a, what a great cry from the psalmist of a soul that has been found by its creator and by someone who has loved him so much. St. Milton says, I might escape the eye of men, but I certainly cannot escape the eye of God. God is searching. He's searching for people to stand up for him. He's searching for people to bring his kingdom into growth. He's searching for people to be obedient. He's searching for people to love him. He's searching for people to stretch their arms and love others. And you and I are these people because he does not have other hands, but mine and yours, he does not have other feet to go and take his gospel, but mine and yours. He doesn't have another heart to love, but mine and yours. And we're put here for a purpose. May God bless us.